0: Well, good morning everyone, welcome to Worship at Fusion. We're so glad that you made it with the time change and the roads, really glad that you're here safely this morning and welcome to those of you joining us online as well. At this time, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. All right. I invite you to stand and worship with us. Praise the Lord, ye hands adore Him. Praise Him, angels in the high. sun and moon, sun and moon, rejoice before Him. All you stars of light, praise the Lord for he has spoken. Worlds his mighty voice obey laws which never shall be broken. For the God. song. Shall promise me. of our salvation, hosts on high His power proclaim, earth in all creation. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus. Jesus. Breathe. Call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing Once again, I will praise. Breathe. Call these bones to live these lungs.
1: Thank you so much. Beautiful songs this morning as we enter into, continue our time of worship together. Welcome. It's good to see all of you here. You made it. Time change, snow, ice, blizzards, you name it. But we're here. We're here to worship God, and it's so good to be here together as a family. My name is Mary DeWitt, and I am truly honored uh, to to be worshiping with you here. Shall we bow our heads in prayer as we continue Um, finding ourselves in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads. As this family called Fusion, we come to you, our Lord, who is rich in grace, who is full of mercy. We praise you, God, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We glorify your name as long as you give us breath. We acknowledge who you are, our creator, God, and our rock and our redeemer. Jesus, the mountains standing in your strength, the oceans roaring out your praise, all creation glorifies your name. The angels bow before your throne, the heavens shine for you alone, all creation glorifies your name. In your hand you hold the universe, at your feet the nations of the earth, and all creation glorifies your name. Holy, holy, holy are you Lord. Almighty and worthy, all the earth is filled with your glory on display. With your penetrating and your illuminating light, your power is on display both day and night. This morning as we come, as we welcome others and you with open arms, no matter what emotions or situation or distractions may have accompanied us here today, we confess that in our tro- broken and troubled world, We have failed to show kindness and patience when when we should have. And we have judged people and situations unfairly without really taking the time to understand. We have missed opportunities this past week to serve you and to serve others, reflecting on who you are. Forgive us when we grumble rather than embracing the true contentment that comes from the promise that you do provide our daily bread. Accept our repentance, O God, for the wrongs that we have done. And now, Father, with humility and boldness, we bring those things that are very heavy on our hearts this morning. We continue to watch what unfolds in the world around us, one that is immersed in great sadness, great pain, and confusion. May each of us here daily declare our love and support as one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That they will not fight or grieve alone today. We will remain unshakable in prayer as we stand with our sisters and with our brothers, with our families, with their families, to bear the burden together. In Jesus' name. And as we seek seek to find ways to make a difference, we give you thanks, Lord, for the 300-plus volunteers that came out over this past weekend, serving at the Feed My Starving Starving Children event. Together, we prepared almost 100,000 meals for children around the world. And with the help and with the commitment of four different churches, we understand that these meals may very well be headed to the Ukraine and surrounding countries. And we pray for protection over these meals, that as they make their way through the shipping process, that they will end up exactly where you want them to be. May those receiving those meals feel the power of your love and the gift of hope, knowing that they are not forgotten. Holy Spirit, infiltrate the hearts of those who are so confused and so troubled and so filled with hate. And as we take our stand with you, our God of angel armies, we cling to the promises found in Romans where it says, no one, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. No trouble, no hardship, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness or sword. In all things, we are conquerors through him who loved us. And as we continue to prepare our hearts through the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the preaching of the word, we pause to bring before you our own families here. So many in the midst of a storm, whether a passing rain shower or a full-blown hurricane. We pray for those undergoing cancer treatments. There are so many. And we are especially mindful of Brenda and her family as they mourn the passing of Mark this past Friday. It has been such a long journey for them, and we give you thanks for their tremendous testimony of faith. Lord, we know that you have them firmly in your grip. Grant them peace. And in all things, we can all say, and we cling to you the promises of Psalm 55, where it says, cast all your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And as we continue our journey to the cross this Lenten season, we pause to reflect on it and embrace the only true and perfect love described in John 3, verse 16. We are reminded that you, God, are the greatest subject ever, who gives the greatest affection ever to the greatest object ever, your created world. You have given the greatest gift ever, your Son, giving us the greatest opportunity through the greatest rescue ever by the way of the greatest promise ever, which is eternal life. And as we receive this in a personal way, we also respond in gratitude today with the words of the psalm that you taught us to pray by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, At this time, I would like to invite the kids. I'd welcome all kids through fifth grade if you wish to go downstairs. Stay right at the door by Aaron there. You can see him standing by the door. If you wish to not go downstairs, that's okay. We'd still like to have you stand up if you choose to remain in the service. We want to bless you. And this is something that we um, started again a couple of weeks ago. It is such a powerful way to send our children off, Um, such a a big part of our family. So love their enthusiasm and their joy, and yeah, just make your way towards Aaron. And you'll see the words on the screen there. And if those that want to remain want to stand up, that's okay. Well, let's say this together. Kids, do you remember your line? And also with you. Got that? All right, no. The other way around. I think it's, we say the Lord be with you and also with you, right? Okay. You're, you're nodding your head like you know what to do. All right, here we go, everybody. The Lord be with you. Okay, that was a little cheap. I know you got it in you. You're full of it, your kids. I want to hear it nice and loud. Here we go. The Lord be with you. Much better. You have a blessed time downstairs in your classes.
2: I'm about eighty percent sure it's my turn, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, we can check. Yeah, we can.
2: Yeah, just double check, make sure everything's all good to go. Well, it's very good to be here. This. Sunday morning. Uh, My name is Lewis Ford. I'm a minister over at First Reformed on the south side, if you ever frequent way over there um, and make it through all of Holland's traffic. Uh, jb has been one of my close friends since uh, freshman year of college and it is wonderful to see his enthusiasm for ministry that he participates or participates in here uh, i love him i love his family it's very good to be with you a uh, handful of months ago i think i was here uh, preaching and then i was here a handful of weeks ago as well I got to see a friend's child being baptized, and every time that I come back, um, I just love uh, the hospitality of this place. I love hearing the stories of what's going on with Hardwick. I feel like I have to rewrite a portion of my sermon already just because of how many 300 volunteers as well for Feed My Starving Children. That's, yeah, that just warms my heart. So I want to once again say thank you. Thank you for uh, welcoming me. Thank you for uh, entertaining the idea that I will be able to hopefully preach somewhat close to the caliber of JB as well. And we will go through uh, Exodus. He prepared me in such a way to say that Exodus will be a pathway for understanding this Lent season. He gave me about 48 chapters to work with. This sermon is about 72 minutes long. We'll just see what happens. Exodus starting at uh, the tail end of verse 5, I'll read the passage that we will dwell on today, I'll offer up a word of thanks as well, and then we will kind of continue with this uh, reflection during this time of Lent. So this is chapter 5, starting at verse 22, going through 6, verse 12. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will, be, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, And I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God." Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. This is as far as we will go with scripture today. I would love to open us up in prayer. God, we do give you thanks for gathering us this morning, for centering us on scripture, for centering us on songs and praise, to hear a word of prayer on behalf of this community, on behalf of Holland, Michigan, on behalf of the world that yearns and groans in anticipation for your return. God, I ask that you will make your presence known through proclamation, through the gathering of your people, Through the rest of this day, call us to a place and send us to reflect your mercy and truth to those in our midst. This we pray. Amen. Growing up in uh, West Michigan, I went to Zeeland. I was a graduate of Lincoln Elementary, went on to Cityside. Middle school, made it all the way through before the chicks and ducks decided to split. I graduated as a chick. And that joke doesn't work outside of West Michigan. I've tried that. I have tried that in Minnesota and nobody laughs. And I went to Hope College, uh, then kind of moved around a little bit, came back to Western Seminary, ended up back on the south side. And every season, uh, since the formation of my youth, Lent has been an interesting season that stood maybe up against Christmas. Christmas or Advent and the formation of all my years just always felt like this anticipation of maybe at best a Christmas gift. Yes, I knew the birth narrative, but it did not help me understand what the world is waiting for. And then there was this whole other side within Lent as well. That's my biggest thing that I was concerned with. Maybe a little bit with Ash Wednesday because I was confused. People were reminding me that I was going to die. I'd be marked as a kid. But the biggest thing I wanted was the candy on that one Sunday morning through Easter baskets. Monday, Thursday, we didn't go to many of the services. Some churches don't offer services. They don't force us or ask us to dwell on death. That's an interesting interesting thing to think on. So I didn't have a good formation of understanding the markings from dust you came to dust you will to uh, depart. It kind of almost turned into an anticipation of the Easter basket and less about the resurrection or the hallelujah chorus. And now Lent now, because I am a pastor, I have to think about these things. I have to think about Ash Wednesday. I have to think about what it's like to take the palms when we sing Hosanna, when we wave them around, because we are anticipating this king, and what it means to burn those, to mark ourselves, because of the fact that we are sin, we are wrapped in sin, and we would be the ones nailing Christ to the cross. And so Lent invites us to understand who is God? Who is our all, or Who are we? What is our mortality? How do we understand death and life? It doesn't take much to look around, especially in the last couple of weeks to maybe even the last two years, to understand that we are surrounded by death. It doesn't matter if you turn on the news, you see bombings of civilians, We could even make it a little bit more local. How many of us struggled with the pandemic? How many of us struggled with arguments with relatives on masks or no masks? How many of us knew somebody who died? We could even make it a little bit more, a little bit detached from us. There's a housing issue within Holland, Michigan. We're roughly within Ottawa County, 12,000 units short of sustainable living. It's interesting on what that does to a community. We could even bring it a little bit more closer to home. Uh, I've known of marriages that did not survive the pandemic. Apparently staying home together surfaced many issues. And all of this stuff, to my woeful little pastoring heart, kind of causes me to sit there and want to unplug and only eat the finest ice cream ever known to mankind, Hudsonville ice cream. And watch Netflix, I want to detach. And so in this Lent season, we can see examples of death. We can anticipate what death looks like. And I wonder within Exodus, if there is a word of hope in the midst of death or suffering that can shape this community or help us move beyond an Easter basket celebration. There is a framework within Exodus that helps us in this season of death and anticipating resurrection. I think Exodus can offer a framework for who God is, how he hears the groans of his people, how he preserves and protects. And if we remember, this series that you're going through helps us recognize God who maintains his covenant. God of a God, or God is a God who maintains his promise. And he moves before you, he moves with you. And even if it is impossible today to hear the reassurance of God being with you, he is, even if we can't hear that. Exodus is a wonderful, wonderful story. Go home, read your Bibles, read Genesis, Exodus, dip your toe into Leviticus. That could be some fun. And uh, come back in the next week also anticipating where JB will take it from there. Let's look a little bit more closely starting at verse 2 because of the fact that I believe that in this Lent season we have to understand how God describes who he is to his people. Verse 2 starts off where God says to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Part of the Lent journey is to recognize who God is, and what better way to look at who God is except for to look at Scripture when God declares who God actually is. This whole section from 2 through 8 lets us know exactly what type of relationship God has with humanity, but more specifically, God has the right to determine God's own characteristics for us and who he actually is. We see within the first portion, many of us know the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm sure if I started to sing the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and many of you would, I don't know the motions. Forget about what I just said. But are we familiar with the song? Yes. This idea about the descendants of Israel, there is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not miniature gods that we find within Egypt a little bit later, this is the God of covenant, the God that reveals himself specifically to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he makes a promise when we know that two go up in Genesis 22 and God provides the sacrifice so it doesn't have to be the son. And then they come down, God makes a covenant. He says, this is for your generation and the generations after you. We even heard that recited on the baptism that I was here just even observing. So we have the God that is more named by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God of a promise to the future generations. And then he hears the cries of his people who are caught up in suffering and captivity, and he remembers his promise. It is not a God who turns his back to people and just hides when they are wailing. This is a God who is actively engaging in hearing, listening, and participating towards his people. And then it lets us know that God is a God who will bring them and redeem them. Israel doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to unsin themselves for God to provide this redemptive ark. And we'll talk a little bit about that. That's a whole other sermon. But God lets us know in verse 5 and 6 that he will bring them out of captivity. He will redeem them because he will be your God. And if that's not enough, he reminds them of his own namesake, the one that he didn't offer a name to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but more specifically, he lets Moses know and he says it again in verse seven, I am the Lord. And the reason why I think that this is important to start on is because it gives us a perspective that God declares who he is, the God of your ancestors, the God of promise and covenant, the God who provides for future generations, the God who will rescue and redeem, he is the Lord. And within this passage, it lets us know that Israel had been in captivity for 430 years of bondage brick sometimes without straw in the sun fashioning in captivity building brick going home maybe not having the right amount of food maybe they didn't have 300 volunteers to actually feed my starving children they were in bondage they were in slavery for 430 years and they were formed by egypt Egypt in a way that if we look at the continuing passages, God brings judgment upon the lower KG gods. The gold, the things that they would have been surrounded by, this king, this pharaoh, this one that wanted bloodshed and war, this captivity, this other aspect of empire, these other gods, they would have been formed by it. So if anybody would have said, Do you remember the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? they would have to look in the rearview mirror and say, Yeah, kinda. Before my grandpa passed, He shared what it was like to grow up during the Great Depression. He then would tell me stories about what it was like for him to enlist, and he served in World War II, and he also served in Korea. And yet, sometimes I find myself dwelling not only on the memory of him, but I don't know if I'm going to pass that story on if and when uh, it happens for me to have my little Lewises run around the neighborhood so I can tell them the stories of old. That's not even 430 years. And yet within this portion, Moses speaks to Israel in such a way that the God of your ancestors, the God who made a covenant with your people, the God who will show up, the one who rescues and redeems, he will be the one to bring you out of this. Chapter 12 gets us into the idea about Passover. We start to see a little bit more of death and life, and if you're unfamiliar with the story, read into it. It's the first time that we see a real sacrifice that has to be uh, the blood over the doors within Israel. And so the angel of the Lord passes over to make sure that God does not demand the firstborn, but he ends up taking the firstborn of a lot of Egyptians, including Pharaoh. And at that point in time, Pharaoh is like, fine, get out of here. And it's an interesting setup within this idea that there is this God of a promise to his people that in the midst of death provides life for his people, that in the midst of that he is a God who brings them out uh, and he brings them through uh, the Red Sea to the other side. And we can see that God is a God, even when we read to the future portion of this, that he is preserving life in the midst of death. Death and right, or life wrap up in this sacrificial system. Now, this is a little heavy-handed on the front end because I want that to frame what we're going to go through on the next portion. During the season of Lent, we have to look to these passages to understand who God is. God is a God of promise. God is a God of, even in the midst of death or sacrifice, providing life. God is a God who maintains his promise even if we walk away. God is a God who does not forsake his people. Now, this is where we can personalize it. I just wanted to set that up just a little bit. We can turn it just a little bit more. In Exodus 2, although God has already declared who he actually is, now let's flip it from the other side of the characters in the story. Let's look at the people of God and see if we can learn anything from that. In Exodus 2, we find out that the people were groaning in their slavery, in their captivity. They were in bondage with brick and straw because that was the only thing they knew, and they cried out. And in chapter two, it lets us know that God heard the cries and he remembered his promise to his people. It lets us know that in this interesting verticality aspect there, the same way we might come with a congregational prayer, we assume that our words will ascend before God and he will hear. And so what this is letting us know that even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of captivity, If we look at the, excuse me, the verse five as well, it comes in and says that God says, "'Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites "'whom the Egyptians are enslaving, "'and I remembered my covenant.'" So Exodus starts to give this portrayal of the fact that God is a God who hears the crying out of bondage in the midst of generations being in captivity, and that their prayers and their cries ascend, and it moves God because he remembers his own faithfulness to his people. And the interesting thing about where it gets into, and this is where I want to bring it a little bit more pragmatic for the rest of this time, Moses comes back to the people. So God lets Moses know, this is what you are to say to them. This is who I am. I'm the God of covenant. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to lead you with this outstretched harm. I will rescue and redeem you. I haven't forgotten your cries. And he says, go tell them about this. So Moses, in verse 9, reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. God and people, the difference in this passage, God and the congregants, God and Israel, God hears the cries of his people even if you and I can't have the full capacity of hearing his reassurance. Lent kind of forces us to recognize that although God hears what we confess, what we say, sometimes our own ears, sometimes we are focusing on the Easter basket a little bit more than we should, than the actual God of promise. If you would have told me about the future hope that we have in Christ when I was younger, I wouldn't have comprehended that. I would have been one of the individuals that would have been said or would have said, Lewis, God hears your prayers, and I would have been like, shrug, that's good, but he's not solving the issue of junior high and why I'm only this tall, everyone else is this tall, and I get pushed into lockers." And I'm kind of being a little jokey-jokey within that because I want to invite us to sometimes name where, although we trust that God hears the cries, if I offer a word of reassurance to say God is with you, sometimes we let that go off our backs because it is so hard to hear the promise because sometimes we focus on the discouragement or the harshness of what's going on. And a little bit more, it lets us know that although God hears and God reassures, his reassurance does not depend on us opening our ears a tad more. God doesn't wait for Israel to be like, did you hear me now? Now I will move. Read the following chapters. Israel has time and time again where God shows his faithfulness, even through the midst of Passover until it gets to the point where they sing a word of thanksgiving. God is a God who hears and knows the context and captivity and problems of his people, even if Israel doubts, even if Thomas doubts the resurrection, even if Jonah only makes it halfway into Nineveh, even if the list could go on. God hears the cries and remembers the covenant, even if the people can't fully hear the promise. I'll give two small examples. We have somebody connected over at First Reformed, their halftime staff, they just kind of stumbled in one day. They just, they showed up and said, I want to start this ministry, and we said, sure. So we call her Pastor Lisa. She has this wonderful shepherding heart. Is she a graduate of seminary? No. But is she straight up leading people? Absolutely. So for the last couple of years, you'd hear kind of this uh, theme that although that she was working with people who are a little bit impoverished in Holland and other individuals who have never heard the promises of God, she is not scared to stand on street corners and hold up signs that say, God love you. You've probably seen her and a couple of her people down on 8th Street and all they like the honk, if you love Jesus, they've invited me to go to that. I'm like, nope, 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 because uh, mm -mm, nope. what if somebody recognized me? right? And so she is not scared. And so she kept on talking about Wood Spring Suites on the north side, right over here. And she kept on trying to tell us, did you know that majority of the people who are renting there have either been previously evicted or they don't have the right amount of credit to do their own purchase? A lot of the people who are living there are the living poor. Majority of the rooms that are occupied are even from some people who have been living there for three to even five years. They can't get out of paying 1500 a month because no bank will secure them a loan because they don't have the credit to, and you can already see where this might go. And so she does this masterful job of roping in the church to say, we are going to provide for basic needs. We're going to offer food and water. Jesus commands us to actually do that, to show up. Uh, In the midst of suffering, even within our own backyard of Holland, you can point to a tangible place that although it's not forced slavery or bondage, you can still hear the crying out of a community that wishes something would be better. Does God hear the crying out of brokenness? Absolutely. Is God working through the ministry of what Lisa is actually doing with volunteers to go and provide food uh, and help with basic educational needs to help all of that stuff? Yes. I asked her, though, although that she comes up to the people who live there, uh, and we had this conversation, and she said she always does stuff in the name of the Lord. She is unashamed when they said, why are you giving us laundry detergent? She said, because God loves you. I just asked a question. I said, how long, although you've been there for about two years in the midst of the pandemic, how long has it taken for people to start to actually trust you and speak to you about their context? And she said, two years. We have within this passage that although God is a God who hears the cries of people, that although God is a God who moves towards people, although God is the one who hears the groaning And he remembers his promise to the world to his community that sometimes even if we come with the good news sometimes people can't listen to it because of their discouragement and harsh labor in the midst of this kind of conflict within exodus i want to let you know that there's a different stages that i'm trying to portray God has the right to determine who God actually is. God is a God who brings us out of captivity. God is a God who reassures us of the once-given sacrifice of Christ. God is the one who actually declares us righteous in Christ. And yet, if I was living in Wood Springs, would I fully be able to hear the good news? And that doesn't stop God from moving within this community, Some of you might be gathering today where you can say, although the world is chaotic, although what is going on in this season, it doesn't matter if it's overseas or right in our own backyard, although some of us have tasted and anticipated death during this season, some of you can actually hear the promise of what God is actually doing. And for some of us, I want to offer you a little bit of grace that maybe within the last two years, maybe within Lent, that all it is a season to reflect upon our own mortality. It's to reflect on who God is and who we are apart from God. Sometimes it is very hard, although we trust that God is the God of the covenant, sometimes it's hard within this current context that we just can't hear what God is doing. I have another friend. A little bit older than me, not too much older. I'm starting to realize that even to some of the people in this room or the kids that ran outside, I'm starting to be mocked by being old because I'm just shy of 40. I don't know what that means. I'm on that side of things. I remember what it was like to be like 22 a little bit. My knees didn't hurt when I walked. You know what I mean? Like I remember, I remember the good old days when I had hair. I remember certain things. So a certain friend that I met after uh, college, one that I stayed, uh, just kind of wrapped their arms around me when I was doing youth ministry, they're about 10 years older than me, just a wonderful, wonderful person, loves the church, loves offering their time, uh, the type of individual that you said, I need a couch moved, a piano moved, whatever it might be, will willingly show up. Within the last two years, they had a very specific tragic loss inside where they lost a loved one that was so incredibly close to them. And that was the first time that I started to stop hearing them try and be reassured of God's goodness. Does that mean that God gives up? No. God's covenant is bigger than our ability to hear in this current context. So whether you know what's happening in this community, whether you know what's happening in this world, although death is knocking on the door, whether we have the ability to hear it or not, God's promises still remain to this community, to Holland, Michigan, and to the world. Lent reminds us of who God is. A God who brings us out of captivity, the Lord who is good and leads with an outstretched arm, the God who does not wait for us to be perfect but moves in the midst of suffering. Lent reminds us of God's activity and our inability to save ourselves. And Lent also reminds us that we will experience death all around and that suffering does exist, but it reminds us that God is a God who hears the cries of his people even if we don't hear the promise itself lent is a time that it reminds us that through sacrifice we have life it reminds us that there will be a day when we sing if you get to chapter 15 read that when you are home the first three verses are as follow after they made it through the red sea israel sang together i will sing to the lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. I don't fully know this community here because I'm not pastoring here, and JB is a wonderful person that keeps uh, confidences as well. And yet, one thing out of all the churches that I've served at, is that i recognize that within the gathering of god's people people still experience hardship marriages that are fracturing job loss or cancer it doesn't matter if it's the external situations of a pandemic or where we felt it up close and intimate it could be the death of a loved one today i want to reassure you that god hears the cries even if we can't hear the promise. And God remembers his covenant to you even when we think that we can't be saved. God does all of this for his own sake because of the fact that he says, I am the Lord, your God. Let me pray. God, for gathering us today, we do praise you. For... This season that reflects upon who we are and who you are, we praise you. God, in our homes, in our families, with co-workers, with friends, with loved ones, with people who we are estranged with, if we are estranged with relatives or loved ones in the last two years, whatever sought to divide or bring harm may we hear the comforting word that you are a god who maintains to your promise god meet us in this season give us a deep hunger for christ our lord let us hear the promises that even in the midst of death there is life in christ that you hear the crying out of your people that you continue to show up in the midst of hardship, be with Fusion, be with the Hardwick family, be with the churches in Holland, Michigan. Continue to show your power to this world and redeem all things through Christ our Lord. That's what we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. We invite you to stand and worship with us. Skill with flawless words could capture all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Go in peace. And that grace owns the ground where all my shame remains left for dead in your